0: for a consumer, the beginning of that journey to care really begins with awareness of what they need and then considering in more detail where they should go, understanding their options, understanding their financial responsibility. It's top of mind from a consumer standpoint. So it really is central to that digital transformation agenda across the industry. Welcome to the Big Unlock podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Padipat Manaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders.
1: Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. This is Patty, and it is my great privilege and honor to welcome back to this podcast, Bill Cross, Vice President and General Manager of uh, Connected Care Products for Change Healthcare. Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to join us again and welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you, Patty. It's great to be back.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. So, Bill, Change Healthcare is going to now be a part of Optum from what we see in the news. Is that right?
0: That's right. We, we expect the transaction to close in the second half of 2021, of course, subject to regulatory approvals and the other customary closing conditions. Until that time, we'll continue to operate in the market as separate entities. That means for now, it's, it's business as usual from both the change healthcare and Optum sides.
1: Got it. Thank you for that. So Bill, since we spoke last on this podcast, you've continued to focus on payment transparency solutions for healthcare consumers, and that has been a focus area that was a focus area when we talked last, and that continues to be one. So just to set the context here, what is driving that from a marketplace standpoint, and what is the emerging need you're trying to serve?
0: Patty, there are there really are a number of factors that are going into this, and the government has provided a fair amount of commentary around their rationale for putting forward the regulatory changes. And we see it also from the standpoint of customer or the consumer experience, the provider and payer experience. Underneath it, there's a need for more information to be available at decision making time to inform consumers on their healthcare journey. That there's tremendous friction today with consumers understanding their financial responsibility at points in time when they can manage and make decisions to address whatever those needs are. So that is it from the consumer standpoint, that is a ripple effect for provider organizations because it's challenging for the revenue cycle departments at providers to function at high performance, given the challenges this places on consumers. And then, really, from a more macro standpoint, better functioning markets really do require transparent access to information. So, from a macro standpoint, this plays into, certainly, the government's objectives to create a a more functioning healthcare marketplace.
1: And we'll we'll unpack that a little bit more, especially from a marketplace standpoint, in the context of uh, digital patient engagement and uh, digital consumer engagement. Just for the benefit of our listeners, the CMS had announced a hospital price transparency rule, if I'm not mistaken, late 2019, perhaps. And I think the deadline for compliance is has either come up already or is about to come up. Can you, for the benefit of listeners, uh, our listeners, just tell us what that is about?
0: That's correct. So the CMS price transparency rule, it became effective on January 1st. The rule requires providers to post on their websites all prices in machine-readable format, as well as prices for a select group of shoppable services in a consumer-friendly format. And so that really changed the dynamic as it relates to making information available. The rule went much further than previous iterations of transparency rules that required publishing of providers' charge masters, now providers are required to put forward the negotiated rates for services that they've established with all of the payer organizations that work with the providers.
1: Right, so as a consumer, I should be able to see some degree of uh, price transparency, which allows me to exercise some choice. I guess that is the underlying principle here. And obviously in the context of digital transformation with everything going online, I should be able to see all of this information online, make some choices and even you know, make the payments as well before I go in and, and take the service or take advantage of the pricing. So from your standpoint and from what you're trying to build a Change Healthcare, Bill, how does this fit into the notion of a seamless digital patient experience that everyone is now talking about? It fits in
0: a very critical way through a lot of the research that we've done with consumers around their top needs and friction points in healthcare. Not surprisingly, among the very top is understanding their benefits and their financial responsibilities. So when provider organizations are laying out their strategic priorities to digitally transform, it's the areas that come around financial management, financial information that are oftentimes among the top areas providers are looking to address first. So for a consumer, the beginning of that journey to care really begins with awareness of what they need and then considering in more detail where they should go, understanding their options, understanding their financial responsibility. It's top of mind from a consumer standpoint. So it really is central to that digital transformation agenda across the industry.
1: Change Healthcare has recently launched a solution to meet this need. Can you talk a little bit about that? We did.
0: We had previously rolled out Shop, Book & Pay, which is a solution to create digital storefronts for provider organizations that they could brand and could put forward into the public square, if you will. Shoppable tests and procedures that more and more consumers are coming through digital Channels to pursue the care that they need, so making that easier. We made a decision last year to enhance the solution further by making it such that pr- that it will meet the regulatory requirements for price transparency. So now many hospitals have a have adopted the solution to comply with transparency. Meaning, we also add the ability for them to host to create and host the machine readable files, and it meets the other requirements around. The show. Tests and procedures in a consumer friendly, self service, searchable format. So that's part of our connected consumer health and patient engagement portfolio. It's an area that, as a company, we've been making a lot of investments in and in innovation.
1: Now, I have to ask how are hospital administrators responding to this, uh, the CMS ruling and the need to really open up the books, as it were, and make it all transparent? There's been some resistance to that in the past. So is that changing? Is you know, are we going to, as consumers, are we going to really see the level of transparency that is intended through this ruling?
0: Well, this really is a top of mind area, Patty. As of December, the estimates were that about 60 percent of providers were still not compliant with the rule. What we're finding is that smaller providers are really more likely to be compliant, probably because they can't afford to absorb the $300 per facility, per day penalty. And so that's driven more urgency to adopt and comply with the rules. I've talked to many large hospital organizations that transparency is on the agenda, but they haven't yet gotten into compliance with the rule. And so what we're seeing across the US is really varied adoption and many organizations are working hard to come into compliance with it but when they get into the work at hand which requires a fair amount of detailed analysis of their of the contracts that they have with payers there's a fair amount of effort as the industry made aware but there's a fair amount of effort to bring that data into a format to comply with the rule. So we'll continue to see more and more hospitals coming online, if you will, over the coming months.
1: Based on the health systems with whom you have some visibility into compliance, what impact has it had on their business? Do you see them gaining more patients, losing patients, losing revenue? What What is your initial assessment?
0: It's too early to say. I w- the initial assessment is there has been tremendous interest from all parties beyond the providers themselves and accessing this, this information so that they can incorporate it into decision-making as it relates to many use cases beyond informing consumers themselves. And so I think we're too early. At this point, a number of providers are really just beginning to incorporate ways to communicate the availability of the tool and language that a consumer can understand in other words, providers are using words like price transparency, which isn't the first way a consumer would think about their financial responsibility. And so there's going to be a fair, you know, it'll be a slower adoption and awareness rollout until it really starts to have an impact across the market. But when you've looked at prior to this rule, there have been select examples in different markets throughout the country. When transparency information was made available through a few contracting cycles, it's really changed pricing strategy in those local markets. So I would expect that among the top issues right now are the providers and payers thinking through what this means for pricing strategy for shoppable tests and procedures, which then will come back to consumers. But it'll be driven more from provider and payer strategies than it might be from direct consumer shopping in the immediate term.
1: And that raises an interesting question too, right? Setting aside the compliance requirements, the uh, nature of the market today is that uh, the, the payer for the services is someone other than the consumer in an employer employer-based health insurance environment, which is what we are in for the most part. And so consumers who are covered by employer-based insurance, they don't really care who pays and how much as long as their copy doesn't change and so what would be driving this uh, interest in increased transparency among consumers could you shed a little bit more light on that are there specific types of procedures for instance that are you know now transparent to consumers and it is making an impact in their in the way they make their choices is there a certain type of demographic on the other hand among consumers that is uh, taking advantage of this more than others just going a little bit deeper into that.
0: Right. The government specified the most everyday services and tests to be included in the consumer friendly requirements of the rule. Things like physical therapy visits, office visits, very simple labs and tests. And so those are the certainly the area that are the highest volume and have the largest in, in terms of just everyday care needs across the broader population. What we've seen is that in areas where we've supported consumerism related to helping patients purchase care prior to service, that the typical demographic profile is a, a female in her early 40s that's managing a household and that is managing her health the healthcare needs of, of that household and demonstrating a real tendency towards shoppable behavior and certainly driving the spend the healthcare the discretionary healthcare spend of the family. And so what we would see here based on those data points from the many hospitals that have used pre-service purchase tools this is going to play out the same way. Those are likely to be the you know the demographic range that are going to pursue shopping more frequently. I, even in my own Example and having taken a family member, a child in for care and received the EOB and bill, you know, I wanted to go to the hospitals in in my market and compare what my negotiated rate is with the, the payer to what the other payers' rates were for that hospital. So, very interested. But then again, I wouldn't consider myself as directly representative of the broader market, but I do think it will play out this way from the standpoint of. Consumers care that because many are out of pocket for these tests and procedures, given high deductible health plans and just the general shift in financial responsibility to consumers. The other thing I would just add here, Patty, is that there are many organizations that are growing quite rapidly in the arena of care navigation and support. And so when you think about the consumer holistically and and what are the influences on that consumer and their experience in healthcare? they will have other resources, be it those navigation services that an employer organization may, may license for the consumer to use. There'll be other ways that that steering and price shopping can show up and drive consumer behavior beyond just a consumer going to the, you know, the front door website of a provider.
1: Fascinating. In fact, uh, my recent book, which I co-authored with Ed Marks, it's titled a Healthcare Digital Transformation, How Consumerism, Technology, and Pandemic are Accelerating the Future. And this is exactly the kind of situation we had in mind as the emerging state of being for healthcare consumers across the land. And what you just described is a very detailed micro view of how it plays out in day-to-day decisions. In fact, I read somewhere that women make 85% of the healthcare decisions in the household. So... You seem to have zeroed in on the right persona, if I may say that, uh, in terms of uh, building your solutions for the target market. Now, question I have for you: How has the pandemic impacted uh, consumer attitudes for healthcare services in general, and and for price shopping? Has it accelerated the the price shopping behavior? It's
0: accelerated the movement to digital healthcare journeys, and what I mean by that is the dramatic shift in uh, a rise in telemedicine, the behavior changes that come with everyday healthcare needs being pursued through consumers' mobile device versus an in-person visit or their computer, just this general behavior of interacting with the digital first channel care. That is the primary driver. We've certainly seen massive acceleration of based on the pandemic. And with that comes an easier way for companies that are supporting that digital transformation to put the information like transparency information directly in front of the consumer at the moment that matters. Done digitally, it's a much easier pathway forward. So our perspective is that, again, with the most recent rollout of price transparency, it's really in the first innings as as far as this new level of insight. And it hasn't yet shown up from a shopping standpoint, so much as just the general shift in use of digital-first approach to care, which really is a precursor to shopping for care services and using transparency even further.
1: Switching topics here for a quick minute here, let's talk about the the changing structure of the healthcare industry, healthcare sector. Uh, There are several emerging trends, uh, non-traditional players entering the market in a big way, digital-first healthcare companies, Now, one of the things that we are seeing also is that employers are increasingly contracting directly with providers and taking control of healthcare costs and self-funding and self-insuring themselves. What do you make of this trend? And what kind of impact does it have on consumer behavior and price transparency and choice? Is there a correlation between this trend and what you see as the demand for your offerings in particular?
0: I do see a correlation between, uh, between those trends. Generally, employers, at least what we're seeing, is that they're taking an even more active role in driving our healthcare system to be a more value-based healthcare system. And direct contracting is one example of a number of things that provider organizations and associations and others that represent the self-insured employer segment are helping to facilitate. As it relates to direct contracting with providers, and there's certainly been many examples of centers of excellence strategies of uh, large employers contracting with particular health systems for certain services, et cetera. But generally, that direct contracting strategy, in light of price transparency and a focus on shoppable tests and procedures is probably poised to grow even faster. What I mean by that is, and I was talking to one of our payer customers and they were sharing that their perspective is roughly 30% of the healthcare spend that the payer organization that goes towards medical tests and procedures annually. And by what I mean by that is 30% of the providers, it, it represents about 30% of the provider's annual income. And so 30%... Tagged to shoppable tests and procedures is a really large portion of the provider's strategy and certainly their their business uh, finances. So there's a vested interest on both the provider and I think the employer organization to find new ways to direct contract to include these shoppable tests and procedures, whereas previously it might have been focused more on certain um, surgery service lines and centers of excellence. So I do think, again, it will grow over time. And with this type of transparency information available, it facilitates the ability for an employer organization or someone representing an employer organization to have an informed perspective on the value that could be achieved through direct contracting.
1: So you mentioned about 30% of the shoppable costs are currently actually being shopped for. Is that right? I want to make sure I got that right.
0: No, it's it's thirty percent of the total medical spend, or the, or I I should say the total uh, healthcare spend falls in for provider organizations falls into that shoppable category. Got it.
1: That gives us plenty of headroom for the remaining seventy percent to also come within that category at some point in time. Is that right? Correct. All right. It's that on that optimistic and upbeat note. Uh, I guess we'll leave it there for today. Bill, thank you so much for being on the podcast and I look forward to following all your progress and all the best with the OptiMersion. Thank
0: you, Patty. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partner, PowBox. Secure email for modern healthcare, right out of the box.